Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Isaiah 10, we are talking about the remnant church. This is number one of three classes on the remnant church. The remnant church is something that our pastor has spent a lot of time with over the years. The Bible continually talks about a remnant that would serve him, primarily, as you're going to see, initially referencing the Old Testament saints. But how many of you know that in the New Testament, once you're born again, you're a part of that remnant? And what we need to do is remain a part of that remnant, walking out what Scripture teaches. When we get to the end of this class tonight, you'll have a definitive explanation from the Scriptures of what the remnant is. But let's look to our notes to begin with that will help you with some definitions of understanding what we're talking about here when we talk about the remnant church. Most remnant Scriptures literally pertain to Israel, but still have some applicable truth to the New Testament end times people. Because again, much of the Old Testament is type and shadows of the new. And so it's revealing to us not only things that would happen, but also things about our relationship with God as it relates to how we walk that out. Now notice the definition. So what exactly, pastor, is the remnant? What exactly is the remnant? Here's the definition from scriptures of what the remnant is all about. Remnant is those who remain, the overcomers, a gathering of dedicated, faithful, red-hot, submitted, clean-living believers who determine to serve the Lord no matter what. Amen. Now, I'll tell you, that sounds like a good group of people to be a part of. Amen. Let's read it again. Read it after me. Those who remain, Those who remain. These, are, these are the remnant. Those who remain, Those who remain. the overcomers, a gathering of gathering dedicated Faithful, red hot, submitted, clean living believers who determine to serve the Lord no matter what. So it's those who remain, remain overcomers who are a gathering, a, a gathering of dedicated, faithful, red hot, submitted, clean living believers who are determined to serve the Lord. Obviously, in relationship to the context of lukewarm Christians, <clears throat> That's not what we want to be. How many know a lukewarm Christian certainly wouldn't be a part of the remnant? I said, how many know that a lukewarm Christian would not be? God's coming back. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. If you go back to the Old Testament as an example of the remnant in the Old Testament, there was all of the nation of Israel, but not all of them served God. They were all part of the nation of Israel, but not all served God. Who served God? The remnant did. The remnant are the ones that God could count on. The remnant are the ones that trusted God. The remnant are the Josephs. The remnant are the Caleb's. The remnant are the Joshua's. Come on, the remnant are the Abraham's, the Moses's. I mean, they're not context of all of the nation of Israel. They're not all part of the remnant. It's the one who were faithful to serve God and honor God and walk with God. And I'll tell you, being a part of the remnant means you are walking with God. In Isaiah chapter 10... 
In verse 20, we begin to get a picture here in relationship to the Old Testament of what actually this remnant is all about. Isaiah 10, verse 20, It shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as have escaped of the house of Jacob will never again depend on him who defeated them. Talking about the natural man. The remnant will never again depend on him who defeated them. I mean, if you think about that, why would somebody depend on somebody who defeated them? Well, the Egyptians had overtaken Israel at one time. They had defeated them. They were under their control, and they were dependent upon them. But God's saying there's going to come a day when we will no longer be dependent upon man, that we will then therefore be dependent upon God. Well, guess what? That day is coming, Christ Jesus. So he says here clearly that, again, they will never again depend on him who defeated them, but they will what? Tell me. Depend on the Lord. Who will they depend on? The Lord. The the Holy One of Israel in truth. So obviously in relationship to the Old Testament context of the remnant, he was saying there is going to come a time when Israel, those of the remnant, will finally turn back to the Lord and put their faith in Him. New Testament, that's us putting our faith in Jesus and now walking with Him. So realize that you and I are to put our constant trust in one person. We're to depend upon one person alone, and that's the Lord. Amen? Amen. 21, the remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. For notice this, verse 22, For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will return. Listen to that again. See, he's not, how many understand that all the nation of Israel were all part of God's family? All part of God's birth family, but they weren't all part of the remnant. For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts will make a determined end in the midst of all the land. I mean, there's coming a day when God will make a determined end of all things. We've read about it and talked about it in our recent study in the book of Revelation. How is God going to bring forth this destruction? Through righteousness. What do you mean? Through the righteous. Through the ones who are right with God. They are going to stand with him. And God's going to be obviously on their side. How many remember when we read in our uh, book of Revelation study. In the actual time of the tribulation period. That God is going to have those of Israel. Who actually will still stand up for him. Even though they haven't received the Messiah. And he's going to come and fight on their behalf. But guess what? You and I, born again, we're already part of this remnant if we continue to do what? Walk and serve God. So let's apply it to the New Testament. If I'm born again, am I part of the remnant? Not necessarily. If you're born again, you're a child of God. You're born again, thank God. But if you're part of the remnant, what is the remnant? Those who remain, the overcomers, who are a gathering of dedicated, faithful, red-hot, submitted, Clean living, clean living believers who determine to serve the Lord no matter what. You know, we get on a dangerous little ground here on this little line of kind of going over the, over the edge a little bit. When we keep telling people it really doesn't matter how you live as long as you're born again, you're good to go. But that's not what Scripture says. You know, Jesus even said in the context of his actual statements about the last days and his return, you know who he said would make it? Those who endure to the end. Now, why did Jesus say, those who endure to the end? Well, what do you mean endure to the end? That I'm going to work my way to heaven? No. 
But you're going to do what? Guard against the very works of darkness in the last days to not be overtaken by Satan in his ways. And therefore, you're going to stay this red hot. You're going to stay this red hot, dedicated, faithful, clean living believers. So again, in verse 22, in talking about a remnant, he said, even though Israel be as the sand of the sea, it's a remnant of them that will return. Why? Because the remnant walk with God. Say it. The remnant walk with God. Well, guess what? Not all the children of Israel walk with God. I mean, if you just go through the time of coming out of Egypt, right, and trying to go into the promised land, isn't this amazing? Out of all of that group of Israel, how many walk with God? Careful. How many walk with God? Out of over a million people, how many walk with God? There was actually three. Moses did, right? Because Moses was faithful to God to do what he told him to do. And then Joshua and Caleb. Isn't that sad? Think about it. So they were the only ones out of all that massive amount of people whom God brought a type and shadow out of Egypt, out of the world, right? As we talked about this morning, through the Red Sea, and then brought them over into where they could walk into the promised land, but they chose not to. And guess what? It's because they had not returned to the Lord. Here's what's amazing about that. God pulls them out of this bondage that they're in. Why? Because they cried out to him. And they said, we don't want to be under bondage to them anymore. Well, that would automatically mean that you would think, we want to return to you. But they didn't. They didn't. A lot of Christians today, they don't like living in the bondages that they're in. But they still don't want to walk with God. I don't know why. I don't know why you want to get free from the bondages that you're in, but you don't want to walk with God. Guess how you get free from the bondages you're in? You walk with God. So, I'm talking about... Christianity is not a crutch that we just pray a prayer and thank God I prayed the prayer. I'm going to make heaven. Everything is going to be all right. The Bible again is clear. You and I don't just pray a prayer. We do so to do what? Walk with God. Why would you not want to? I said, why would you not want to? So again, he says in 22, talking of a remnant, even though Israel be as the sand of the sea, millions and millions of people, it's a remnant that will return. And guess what? In the close of all things, a destruction is decreed. How many know that this planet is not going to be saved? How many know that there is coming a destruction of this planet? And then before that, even tribulation period, which God's going to pour out his wrath on this earth, right? But this destruction that's decreed shall overflow with what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Because God's doing what's right. He's a just God. He's a holy and just and righteous God. So he's going to do that which is right, praise God. Amen? Number one on your notes, God has always had a people. Say it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is why he had to have Noah build an ark. This is why he had to bring a flood. I'm going to tell you why. So that he had a people serving him. A little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. If he would not have continued to bring in the Old Testament judgment against those who became evil, then guess what? There would have been no remnant left. There'd have been nobody serving God. They'd all gone their own way. But thank God, God has always had a people, and he always will, praise God. Say, I'm a part of that. Turn your neighbor and say, me and you, we're a part of that. Even if you've got to say it by faith, amen. 1A, a remnant people are mentioned four times, four times in these verses here. A remnant. Re- referring to, again, a, a, a smaller group of people out of the whole that would return to God. Uh, 1B, a destruction overflowing in righteousness is coming. A destruction that will be overflowing in righteousness. So the destruction that's coming is God's righteous judgment to deal with the evil that's on the earth. 1C, it is a determined end by what? 
It's already determined by God. You're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. But thank God you and I as the remnant don't have to experience the destructive factor. I said we don't have to experience the destructive factor. Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. You know, when people get on me and say, well, you're just preaching religion. You're just putting people in bondage. How in the world could you ever say walking with God is bondage? (laughs) Walking with God is liberty. But when you sit here and think that somehow that you can just live any way you want. And if the Lord returns and if when the Lord returns, you are not, as the Bible says, a part of that remnant and prepared, you will not go. And if you don't go, how I many you know there's ten virgins talked about in the Bible, and five were foolish and five were wise? Well, guess who the remnant is? The wise. Guess who the foolish are? Oh, excuse me, guess who the sorry. Guess who thank you. Yes, the foolish are the foolish. Guess who are not the remnant? The foolish are not the remnant because they're not living. They're not, they're not pulling away from obviously the things of this world that held them in bondage and drawn near to God. They're continuing to hang on to the world. They're continuing to try to hang on to the things of the world. So clearly you and I don't want to do that because we want to be a part of this remnant. So it's even brought over and mentioned, of course, in the New Testament. Romans chapter 9, verse 27 and 28. You there? Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Now realize in the New Testament, we are also called Israel. We're called Jews under the New Testament by the fact that we've been grafted in. That's what the Bible says. Turn to your neighbor and say, whether you know it or not, you're part of the Jews now. Yeah, you you may not be birthed of physical Jewish blood, but guess what? Spiritually you are. Because guess what your daddy is? far as we know, he's of a Jew, the Jewish nation. Amen? And therefore, because they're his people, and guess who you're birthed from? Your new daddy. Hallelujah. 27, Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel, again, be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be what? Underline that. Underline that. Who's going to be saved? The remnant will. The remnant will. Now, Different beliefs on this, but I'm going to tell you right now, the whole of the Bible is pretty clear on the context of what it says. There's people that will believe that who, who believe if you're a Jew, part of the old context Israeli nation, you're going to be in heaven. But, you know, I mean, even one time I remember back when Dr. Sutton was alive. And this is how I got a sermon out of Dr. Sutton. <clears throat> Some of you don't realize that if you have a private audience with the minister, you can get a sermon from them. And a good one sometimes, really good one. So we were sitting there at lunch. I was with Dr. Barclay. Dr. Sutton was there. Several other people were there, you know. And we're sitting there talking about different things. I wasn't. I was listening to Pastor and Dr. Sutton. A few of the ministers would chime in once in a while. But then all of a sudden, uh, it was brought up about something in relationship to the new seeker-friendly church and all the stuff going on in the church and all that kind of stuff. And I looked at, you know, I looked at uh, uh, Dr. Sutton one time. This was a second time meeting with Dr. Sutton and Dr. Barclay. And I said, you know, uh, Brother Sutton, what is it that you think about as it relates to people who say all of Israel will be saved? He said, well, interesting that he turned to a Jew and he told a Jew that you got to be born again. I said, excuse me? He said, remember Nicodemus who came to, to Jesus at night? He was, a, he, was a, he was of the Israel. He was a Jew. And he came to Jesus and said, what do I got to do to enter the kingdom? And he looked him right in the eye. And he said, you must be born Again, he didn't say you're, you're in because you're of the Jewish nation. He said you must be born again. So I'm going to go by the words of Jesus. 
Now, I know some still believe all of Israel will be saved because of some other verses. But even this again says, though the number of the children of Israel are the sand of the sea, who's going to be saved? The remnant will. The remnant. 28. Notice this. For he will finish the work and he will cut it short in what? Righteousness. And again, that's just what God is doing of a just cause that is right. Because the Lord will make a short work upon what? Now, you may not think so. You may not think that this earth and what we're going through is a short work, especially maybe some of the stuff you deal with in your life. But in the eyes of God, think about a couple of things. Number one, all right, so we know the earth has been in existence roughly, don't go by the scientists, roughly about 6,000 years according to the Bible. Okay? Not billions or eons or whatever they say. Uh, number one, the Bible doesn't reveal that. But the point I'm trying to make is, even though that seems like a long time, a day unto the Lord is as if... Uh, thousand years. So in the eyes of God, how long has the earth been around? Six days. A little over six days. So that's what he means by the fact he will make a short work of it. And if you think about the earth in light of all eternity, how long is 6,000 years in the light of all eternity? I mean, it's a drop in the bucket, right? It's, it's like almost nothing. So again, he is going to do what? Make a short work upon the earth, meaning he is not going to let this go on forever and ever. He is going to deal with what he said he would deal with, and he has a desired end that he will fulfill. Number two on your notes, the New Testament, of course, even refers to a remnant, as we just read, to A, and the remnant will be what? So they will be saved. Now, if you look up that word, and this is the word sozo, but this is a direct reference here, of course, to salvation. This is a direct reference to salvation, to being delivered or saved from this actual wicked world and therefore go home and be with the Lord. To be, the Lord will cut the work what? In the eyes of God, it's going to be a short work. And obviously, especially in context of the judgment time, it ain't going to be that long. To see, the Lord will finish his work in what again? Righteousness, because he's going to obviously do so from a righteous standpoint. That whole context, again, talking about, you know, fulfilling this finished work in righteousness about dealing with the evil simply means he's a just God and he does what's right. Romans chapter 11, if you go over to the next chapter, in verse 5 is another reference to the remnant. In verse 11... Excuse me, chapter 11, sorry, verse 5, Romans eleven five 5, says, Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant. Say, right now, in the earth, there's a remnant. At the time this was written, Jesus is already in heaven, New Testament's already begun. And as Paul's inspired to write this by the Holy Spirit, he said, Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant. There is a remnant. He goes on to say, according to the election of grace, meaning that to get in this place to become a part of the remnant now, you don't have to be a Jew in the, in the context of the natural, right? You don't have to be birth of the Jewish nation. How do you get into a position to be a part of this remnant? Through grace, being born again. So once you're born again, you have the opportunity now to obviously come into the family of God and become a part of the remnant. So we can become a part of the remnant because we are born again. You couldn't become a part of the remnant today without being what? Born again. That's the reason he says clearly at this present time there is a remnant and it's according to the election of grace. So once the New Testament started to get in in this position of what is known as a part of the remnant, you and I have to be what? Born again. Of which now we can serve God and he helps us to do so. Aren't you glad? So, number three on your notes, here again, the New Testament is bringing up the term remnant. 3a, it is already at this present time. Guess what are sitting in this room? Parts of the remnant. 
Amen. We're not the only ones. Parts of the remnant. So sitting in this room is a part of the remnant already at this very present time. 3B, and in this time frame we're living in under the New Testament, it is a course according to the election of what? Grace. According to the election of grace. So election of grace simply means receiving salvation, being born again. You and I now have a part to be able to be in the body as a part of the remnant. Go to Micah, book of Micah. The thing about being a part of the remnant, and I'm going to try to simplify it for you tonight, as I've already said it several times, actually in the Bible said it there in Isaiah 10, the remnant does what? They walk with God. Amen. Say it. They walk with God. Because if you truly walk with God, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be one of the overcomers. Come on, somebody. You're going to be one of the on fire, hot for God. Come on, overcomers. People who claim... You know, when people who claim, well, you know, I don't know, man, it's awful hard to overcome all this stuff in the last days, overcome different things of what I deal with in my life, et cetera, et cetera. Can I ask you a question? If you hang around somebody, do they not rub off on you? Yes, yes they do. So guess what? Hang around God and guess what will happen? It rub off on you. Tell your neighbor, that's good advice. If you and I choose to walk with God, God will do what? He'll rub off on us. So all we have to do is stay close with God. Can I get a better amen? amen? Close with God and he will do what? Rub off. Rub off on us. So the remnant does what? Walks with God. You and I just need to keep walking with God. And as we do, thank God, we are a part of the remnant. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to remain part of the remnant. Amen. All right. So in Micah chapter 2, we have a prophetic statement here under the Old Testament from the prophet Micah, and he is literally prophesying and predicting about this remnant as it relates to the day that we now live in. In Micah chapter 2, are you there? Micah chapter 2, verse 12, the Lord speaking through the prophet Micah said, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant. I will surely gather the remnant. Who's God going to gather? The remnant. Notice this, I will gather the remnant of Israel. He didn't say he would gather all Israel. He said he would gather the remnant. I will put them together like sheep of the fold. Like what? Sheep of the fold. I will put them, in other words, in a perimeter or protected area. I will put them in the sheep of the fold like a flock in the midst of their pasture. Who is God going to put in this sheepfold and in the flock in the midst of the pasture? The remnant. He didn't say all Israel. He said he was going to gather the remnant to, to do this for them. Notice this. They shall make a loud noise because of so many people. Now notice the word so many is italicized. So it wasn't in the original. So the point here that's being made is they shall make a loud noise because of people. In other words, the remnant are not quiet people. Just wait until you catch up with that. The remnant are not quiet people. Anybody who's ever walked with God was pretty expressive. So he literally says this remnant, these people shall make a loud noise because they, or you you shall, excuse me, they shall make, there shall be a loud noise made because of the people, because of this remnant. 13, the one who breaks, notice this, the one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out, pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them. Their king will pass before them. That's the Lord. Notice this, with the Lord at their 
head. There's going to come a time that obviously when we go to be with the Lord, He comes and gets us. He's going to come back. Right? We're going to all come out of this, what He's calling a gate here, and we're going to be led by Jesus to come back to this earth to rule and reign for a thousand years and to ever be with the Lord. How many glad about that? So again, verse 12, Surely I will assemble out of Jacob. I will gather a remnant out of Israel. They're going to be put into sheepfolds and also into flocks. So who are the remnant today according to God? Don't get mad. I mean, you don't have to because you're here. Who are the remnant according to God? They're not just part of the sheepfold. They're part of a flock. You listening? They're part of a flock. I've taught you this before, talking about John 10, the difference between a sheepfold and a flock. What's a sheepfold? So the sheepfold are those who are brought into the body of Christ, a perimeter protective aspect of life of what we have in Christ Jesus as a child of God. But then they also become part of a what? Of a flock. Because flocks are to gather together under a shepherd. Amen? Amen. Well, what's that a sign of of the remnant? They're churchgoers. The remnant are churchgoers. They are not people who claim, I don't need church. How many think, seriously, how many think somebody's really on fire for God walking around saying, I don't need to go to church? I saw a guy post the other day on a, one of the ministers I follow. He posted on his deal. He, the minister I follow posted something about the house of God and stuff. And he posted and said, well, in my opinion, which we don't need to know your opinion, but he gave it. In my opinion, the house of God is all around us. It's where we are in this earth. Ridiculous. The Bible doesn't say that. But see, this is what people do when they fall into what? Does anybody know what that's fallen into? What is it? What's, what are you falling into when, you, when you're saying, well, I'll tell you my opinion. My opinion is the house of God is all around us. Idolatry. Very good. You're making a God to fit you. Because if you go to the Bible, God doesn't define the house of God as everything around you. You're in the house of God according to the Bible. And that's the part of the flock you're supposed to be a part of. Well, guess what God's saying? It's a protected area. It helps protect you. The reason the remnant are smart enough to be a part of a local church body is because they know there's protection in the church. There's protection in the house of God. I think of this as it relates to a story in the New Testament. How how many remember when Paul was arrested and they're trying to get him now over to Rome on a ship? And they're about to leave one of the ports. And Paul said, I perceive that if you go forward with this journey, talking to the helmsman, the guy that runs it, I perceive if you pursue, if you pursue this and go forward, because it seemed like the right thing to do at the time, he said, this is going to end up in a lot of damage and harm. And even the loss of lives, if you're not careful. And the helmsman was actually more uh, persuaded by the weather and others that he actually had on the boat to help him run the boat and said, no, we're going to go ahead and head on out. So they did. Well, guess what happened? All of a sudden they get out. And at first, how I many you know for the first part of that journey seemed really, oh man, we got beautiful weather. Paul doesn't know what he's talking about, right? And then all of a sudden what happens? A storm called a Eurocliden, which means a massive, massive storm comes upon them. Remember what happened? Starts beating the ship apart. Man, now they're trying to run to, you know, run towards the uh, ground to get obviously in a position where they can put the ship on shore to save their lives, etc. It gets washed up in some uh, sandbars. The wind and the waves are beating on it. Starts tearing the boat apart. Exactly what Paul said. Right. Well, guess what? They could have averted all of that yes. had they listened Listen. to the man of God. You know why you're part of a church? Because God has a protective factor in us listening to the man of God. 
And I guarantee you, uh, thankfully, no lives were lost. God spared lives. But they lost everything they had. They lost the ship. They lost everything on the ship. Totally gone. All they escaped with was their lives. Thank God for that. But they lost everything they had. All they would have had to do is do what? Listen to that man of God. And as a church, I guarantee you what? That's why the remnant is going to be protected in these last days. Because they're going to listen to the man of God. So go on to your notes there, 4A. Notice this. The prophet predicts this remnant. He predicts that God will do what? He will gather. God will gather the remnant. 4B, this is like sheep in a fold. Sheep in a fold. Fold is different than a flock. Fold has a primitive protection, and it has a shepherd that comes, a watchman on the wall, and therefore anything obviously can flock together, but where a sheep fold is, guess what? You actually have protection. So I've taught you this again before as I was going to explain. What is a sheepfold? Multiple shepherds who had flocks, and they still do it today, to help protect the actual sheep better. At night, how many know the wolves come out? When do the wolves show up? Nighttime, when it gets dark. They want to sneak around behind the shepherd, try to come after the sheep. So to protect the sheep better, what they did is they would create, they would build in that area a perimeter wall out of brick, out of rock, whatever they could. And they would literally uh, line that thing with brick all the way around, and they would have a gate, and they would put all of their flocks into that fold together. This is like us coming into the body of Christ. But then each of the shepherds, you might have even seen videos, they still do it. Each of the shepherds each day had to go into that fold, and guess what they did? Lead them out. They had to lead them out to pasture. They had to go out and feed them, take them to calm waters, to be able to get water to drink, etc. Amen. That's what you're here to do. You come out of the life of the fold of the body of Christ to come into the flock to hear from your pastor to be led to green pastures, to feed on the word of God. But the reason they did that is because they found out if we create this bordered perimeter area and now we have multiple ones of us at night watching this perimeter area, we can watch out for the wolves and keep the wolves away. But that's a part of being a part of the body of Christ. Wait a minute, wait a minute. With another step, with a shepherd in my life, Who's a part of that? Well, guess what we have? Well, we don't have multiple shepherds to protect us. Are you kidding me? You got spiritual fathers who come to this church. Who all the time speak into our lives to protect us from the wolves. Amen. Amen. Who are part of the fold, the body of Christ, who help us, the flock, to be protected. 4C, notice this. He said a loud noise, a loud noise because of what? Here, of course, pastor says so many men, but the word so many actually isn't in the original language there. So it's just referring to the fact that the remnant is what? They're loud, they're noisy people. If you're on fire for God, you're not silent about it. Well, that's just not my nature. You're, that, you're a liar. You're a liar. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. That's just not my nature to be loud. Wait a minute. You're talking about the outward man. What are you? You're a spirit. Guess what you're going to do, spirit, when you get to heaven and see Jesus? You're not going to be quiet. No. See, your nature is not what you think. Your nature is not this old outer Adamic nature. It's talking about the spirit man inside. And I guarantee you, if you've ever had a time that you've truly got an understanding of God's presence in your life or a relationship to the aspect of God's goodness in your life, you got excited on the inside. Amen. Amen. Say the remnant are noisy people. Why? They're not staying silent. If you stay silent, you lose. You didn't hear me. If you stay silent, you lose. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? The remnant are not silent people. When the enemy comes, they don't stay silent. They speak up. They declare the word of God. Say the remnant are noisy people. Now, we don't just noise anything. We're saying what God says. Can I get a better amen? 
For D, the Lord will be seen at the head of the remnant. Not only in the time to come, but in our lives now. Because the remnant are walking with God. Guess who's leading them? Jesus. Guess who's leading them? Jesus is. The remnant are the ones that every day when they walk out into this world, guess who's leading them? Guess who's guiding them? Yeah. Jesus is. Because they're walking with God. Now go to Zephaniah. Let's go see old Zephi for a minute. Come on, our last verses for tonight. Zephaniah. How many know cupcakes come? <laughs> what kind of cookies we got, Kathy? Like sugar cookies with the little... Um, sugar cookies. Sprinkles. Wow. Sprinkles. With sprinkles. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have had her tell you that. You're probably going to stop listening to me here while I'm trying to finish up tonight. Zephaniah. Say I will remain a part of the remnant. I will continue to walk with my God. I, therefore, will be led by my God. So look at the verses we've already read. God's going to pull a remnant out of the children of Israel. He'll gather them to himself because they want to be. And they will walk with God. And as they walk with God, they're going to be clearly protected. Part of how they walk with God is not only in their personal walk, but also in relationship to a church. Because the remnant are smart enough to know, I'm part of the fold, but I need a flock. I need to gather with the shepherd. It's a protective factor for my life. Zephaniah chapter 3. Now we're going to get to see here a definitive definition from the Bible of what what is revealed to us as the true remnant. How many want to learn that tonight? So this is the biblical understanding or description of what specifically the remnant is all about, including me and you. Zephaniah 3 verse 12, notice this, I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people. They shall trust in the name of the Lord. Verse 13, he says, they are the remnant of Israel. Underline the next phrases, please. Number one, they shall do no unrighteousness. They what shall do? No, this is, this is a picture of the remnant. I'm going to explain it to you in a minute. They shall do no unrighteousness. Two, and they speak no lies. Three, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one, no one, No one, underline it, shall make them afraid. Four things. They shall do no unrighteousness. They shall speak no lies. They will not have a deceitful tongue, but they will. That's talking about the one who feeds them because they will what? They will be fed. Part of the remnant is doing what? We're being fed consistently. And finally, the remnant what? They're not afraid. So the remnant does no unrighteousness, speaks no lies. They continue to be fed the word of God, and they have no fear. That's the picture of the remnant. On your notes, it's given to you right here on number five. The remnant is a righteous people. 5A, the remnant shall therefore do what? No unrighteousness. 5B, the remnant shall what? Speak no lies. 5C, the remnant will what? Feed in their flocks and lie down. In other words, they're going to come to church. They're church goers. They feed on the word. And 5D, the remnant will what? Fear no more. 
You know, you think about, I, I was seriously, in a biblical sense, and I mean it with all my heart, because obviously, you know, pride comes before fall if it's in you. I was so proud of this church when COVID happened. Because so much of this church that I pastor was not afraid of COVID. We wanted to get back together immediately. We weren't happy about not meeting. The only reason I didn't during that time is because you got to realize that not everybody has faith. I can't know and I cannot predict and I cannot determine who has faith and who doesn't. And obviously we didn't know what all this entailed. What do we do need to do as a church from a perspective of wisdom to protect people coming? How dangerous is this actual virus, etc.? But I guarantee you, I didn't want to shut down at all, let alone for the two weeks that we shut down. But thank God for the, commun- the, the live stream and the, you know, the communication we were able to maintain through the equipment we had. But I had people saying, Pastor, when are we going to get back together as a church? But do you know there are churches, sadly, listen, because it doesn't matter who I'm talking about, it's what I'm talking about. There's a church of believers who were raised by one of the greatest men of faith that's walked in our generation, who's now in heaven who did not start meeting as a church until just this last part of the year. Last part of last year. Think about that. The end of 2021. This all started back in 2020. They didn't start meeting again until the end of 2021. This is a church known as a faith church under the original pastor. And when they started meeting... I mean gloves and masks and social distancing and everything. Now, don't misunderstand me, but I'm just trying to help you understand something. The reason that I was defiant to walk up to stores and not wear a mask is because I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. And I'm not going to be afraid of some virus. Even if a mask really would protect you, which I found out it wouldn't, I'm not going to be afraid of some virus. You're not going to mask me in America on the planet, period. I stopped flying anywhere. I didn't go to any meetings. Why? They were going to force you to wear a mask. You can say what you want, but I said, I ain't doing it. Right. I'm not going to bow down to this fear. Right. Why do you still have people wearing masks today? Fear. fear. They're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid of what? They're afraid of a virus. Yeah. Can I tell you why? They're not part of this remnant. Because right. the remnant doesn't walk in fear. How do you walk with God and walk in fear? You don't. You don't. Now, remember, during the time of COVID, and I taught you this, and it's powerful. Does fear come to everybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, fear will come at you. You're not exempt from it. It's not like Satan says, oh, we won't actually attack you with any form of fear. No, he'll come at you. But if you know what to do, you can dispel it immediately. Perfect love casts out fear. I was proud of this church because I watched a church who wanted to get back together, who did not want us to not have to get a point uh, to, to a point of constantly staying apart. Pastor, when are we going to open the church again? When are we going to get back together? And even when we did, I don't, I'm not faulting anybody. I'm just saying, oh, I don't know if anybody showed up with masks or gloves or anything on. You know why? Because we found out the truth about this very virus, number one. Number two, no matter what we act, act upon in relationship to wisdom, we know what the Bible says about our protection against these things. Amen. Right? God gives his angels charge over you, yes. keep you in all your ways, yes. though evil befalls you. Yes. No, 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 plague. So I'd walk up to these stores and say, well, you got to wear a mask. I say, I ain't wearing one. So we got a law in America that says you can't discriminate against anybody for religious preference. Well, why would you not wear one? My religious preference. Amen. What do you mean? I believe the Bible. Amen. 
What do you mean believe the Bible? I said, the Bible tells me I'm to walk by faith, not by sight. You're telling me to walk by sight, not by faith. You're telling me to violate my faith. Sorry, but I'm not going to violate my faith. I walk, in all that time, I had to go into one store with the mask on in one restaurant. I was in a restaurant with some other friends to meet them for lunch. They were not going to let me go sit down without that mask on. Here's what's ridiculous. I walked in the door. I'm standing here. The table they're going to take us to is right there where that door is. And they're telling me I got to put a mask on to walk from here to here. But once I get to that table, I can take it off. <clears throat> you tell me this ain't stupid? Yeah. Say fear, fear. is stupid. It is. It is. I like something Sumrall says. Lester Sumrall said, sin will make you stupid. So, so I had to wear one there. I said, they would not let me go to that table without putting a mask on. So I did. As soon as I got to that table, man, I ripped that thing off. I threw it down. I ain't wearing this, man. So one other store, I had a jacket that I had ordered that I wanted to pick up. They were not going to let me pick up that jacket. I said, bring it to me. Won't do it. Not without a mask on. We're not coming near you without a mask on. I said, all right, all right. I'll put a mask on. So I went in the back of the truck, got a mask. I said, give me that jacket. They gave me the jacket. I took the mask off. I said, see you. I'm not trying to be obstinate. I'm just telling you, the remnant don't walk in fear. The remnant don't walk in fear. Now, some of the things God did with me in the midst of all that, I said, you know what? You need to try to be more of an encouragement to these people to understand. You don't have to live this way. You can walk close to God and be free from this fear. Because if you walk close to God, who are you walking close to? Love. And love does what? Cast out all fear. So let's explain this real quick. Can we go through it in closing? 5a, the remnant will do what? No unrighteousness, that which is not right in the sight of God. So what does that mean, Pastor? Question, have any of you since you've been born again done something that was not right in the sight of God? I'll raise my hand first. What is that referring to? They will do no unrighteousness. They won't practice it. The remnant won't practice sin. The remnant won't willfully do things they know is in violation of God's will that they're not bound by as a stronghold. How many know in relationship to coming to Christ, you probably still had some strongholds in your life of things that you didn't want to do, but it had a stronghold on your life. Something I love our pastors taught for years, God knows if sin has you or you have it. So the remnant is the one who has the sin. The sin doesn't have them. You can be a remnant and you could have the sin, but the sin not to have you. Wrong. You bought that hook, line, and sinker, didn't you? I was messing with you. The remnant are those who, guess what? They may have a sin that has them, but they don't have sin. The remnant does not do things that they know are wrong, willfully. You still here? So when it says they will do no unrighteousness, it don't mean you may never mess up with God. It, may, it doesn't mean you obviously may not need to repent for something. How many of you had to do that again since you've been born again? But it's saying you're not going to hold on to things that you know are not right. Amen. Because the remnant's going to walk close with God. They're going to keep getting things out of their life that's not right with God. Yes. Now God knows again if something has you and if it does, how many know he understands that? And he's not, listen, God's not punishing you for any of that stuff anyway because Jesus already bore your punishment. But thank God I can walk close to God and therefore do no unrighteousness. Two, the remnant shall speak no lies. Has anybody here lied since you've been born again? I'm raising my hand so all the rest of you will have an altar call for liars here at the end of the service. Right? You can have different reasons for why you say you lie. Well, I'm trying to protect them. No, you're not. You're trying to protect you. 
you can say you lie to protect other people, but the truth is, you don't want how that's going to affect you to come back on you, whatever that effect may be. Even in a sense that you might think it might be good in some way over protection. Lying's never good because lying comes from who? The devil. He's the father of lies. Well, if he's the father of lies, he ain't your father. The lies aren't good. So once again, what are we talking about? We're talking about people who are intentionally saying things. Say intentionally. Say intentionally. They're intentionally saying things that aren't true. Listen, for the purpose of what? Misleading others. The remnant doesn't do that. The remnant, in other words, is not trying to take advantage of people. The heart of God wouldn't let you do that. We're not trying to lie to people to try to take advantage of them. We're trying to help people. And if you're trying to help people, guess what you do? You tell them the truth. You don't lie to people. Thank you for all your amens about that. 5C, the remnant will also do what? They will feed in their flocks and lie down. This is your flock. You are a part of the sheepfold, body of Christ, but you're supposed to be also in a flock. So the remnant knows, I'm going to get to God's house. I, I, I love something I shared this morning with, uh, with uh, talking about John Osteen's uh, wife. You know, if you've never heard, uh, you know, Miss um, Doty's uh, Osteen's personal testimony from her own lips, you ought to hear it. This woman went through lots of pain, lots of challenge, but she never let it stop her. She never let it stop her confessing God's word, acting upon the word of God, doing what she was supposed to do. But I kept thinking about this after I shared this testimony this morning. When they got the death sentence from the doctor, you have cancer, you will die within a matter of weeks without a miracle. Now, guess what? Dodie didn't start building her faith right then. No. No. You listening? She didn't start building her faith right then. You know why? She had been part of a flock for all those years. Hearing the truth being preached, build her faith. The problem with a lot of Christians is they wait till the weasel strikes the chicken coop. And now, guess what they're trying to do? Build their faith. But see, the remnant knows, guess what? I'm going to stay a part of a flock because I know faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Therefore, because of that, D, the remnant will what? They will fear no more. They'll be strong in faith and they won't be afraid of the stuff coming down on the, on the planet. And especially in the last days, how do you know being a part of the remnant is even more valuable? Because if you're part of the remnant, I guarantee you, we haven't seen the last of all of Satan's tricks of the days in which we're living of what he wants to try to, to, to try to do to annihilate the church. But thank God the remnant knows, I have no fear of the enemy. I have no fear of what he can bring to me. But I will promise you, that's not because you will it. That's because you've built your faith on the word of God. Can I get a better amen? So guess who God is going to come back for? The remnant. Wednesday night, we'll get into part two. Amen. Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.